0: It's your favorite neighborhood podcast.
1: Talk about that. We're just in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah, well, technically we do broadcasts regionally, internationally, if you will.
1: And I believe you will. Yeah, thank you. I, we, I've noticed that we stopped. We used to, in the early days, we had a tendency to talk very regionally. And it I think it irked some people. It made some people very delighted, and now they miss that kind of talk. Huh. Like when we talk about Vols football for 30 minutes, mm. or we talk about Lebanon Road or something, you'll be <laughs> like, okay, I really don't. Yeah, our, I don't care about the construction. Our well, listeners are Yeah. 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 Uh, so we kind of tried to be more, we tried to, you know, we're trying to be people pleasers, yeah, which but is a dangerous thing, but at the same time.
0: See, I think you're more people pleasing than me these days. And it's really awesome. I've been in recovery for that. And you're still like, I wonder if they like it, and I'm just like, you know what, I don't care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you drive a podcast right into the ground. In other news,
0: I don't care how download- many
1: listens, and then no one listens. In other news, our downloads are way down. Um, that's the hard blend between people pleasing and like also trying to grow an audience. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's tough, man. Uh,
1: but you know what? You want to be yourself, because that's the thing. If you don't, if you're not yourself, then the people you get are not really getting you anyway, right? And then it, it won't last because eventually you let part of yourself out, and they're like, "I didn't know he was that."
0: <laughs> well, the reality is, you being yourself may not be someone that people like,
1: and yeah, so you got to make peace with that. Maybe you just don't, don't do podcasts. I don't want to make peace with that. You know, that's <laughs> scary. You know what? My so my dry bar clip, which we promoted a little bit last yeah. week. So they put out the full. Uh, episode The full special on Facebook mm-hmm. Which they have all the control over They It's weird when you do a special like that Because every other thing I've done I've kind of owned Right uh, And you just go hey I'm going to release this And then with them it's like hey Here's this great opportunity in front of a great crowd And we get to control like how When it comes out How it comes out They even edit like things around it Like they titled it something different than I would have ever titled I think they titled it the United States hate each other what? Like, that's the name of the clip, and that's my full special. The name of the full special is really called uh, "Not My Cup of Tea." Yeah, but when they release your special, they put this like catchy, and the first bit is out of order because they just think this will grab people, and so they put in the bit about you know how the states all have a uh, somebody right. that they point to that's less you know that's doing worse than them. Right, and so they kind of went with that vibe, and so they just titled it that. And I think it's because it's very it's like clickbait, but it's not like. That's not what I would have called it. But anyway, all that said, the drawbars. is You view. think they're
0: listening right now?
1: Yeah. yeah. But anyway, drawbars is great. And they're getting traction yeah. on that clip. So it's got over a million views in a week. Million, guys. It's in great. a week. And not really over a million because the YouTube clip is separate and it's got like 300,000. So it's really like 1. Point million. 1.3 million. One point, we're we're going to call it one point. <laughs> round up to 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, so, man. I I'm, mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievable. So that's great. And so now, of course, you're talking about heel pleasing I'm like, you're supposed to be not, don't read the comments, but I want to see, you know, I I want to see. So I go look every other day. I'm like, let's see how many people, because I'm looking for the one person that's arm and hates me like I do in every audience. Right. Like, I don't know if you know this about me, but when I speak, when I do comedy, anything, I used to just look over everybody's heads, but now I look at people, but I'm taking an overview of the room, kind of like my yard. Mm -hmm. We talked about my yard last week. If you look at my yard, it's green. Mostly. But if you walk in the yard, there are patches of horror in my yard mm. that are grass has not grown and will not grow, no matter what I do, because it's concrete below it. But, so when I, when I, do, I do that with an audience, I'm listening to the audience mostly. I'm not looking for, like, actual people. I'm looking at an, I'm taking an overview of the audience. I'm looking uh-huh. at them. Uh-huh. I'm delivering punchlines to pockets of people in the audience. But, like, when I hear a comedian go... Oh, that one guy in the blue shirt, I could not crack him, and it drove me crazy. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I do not – I don't see guys in blue shirts. I don't – like if I heard them laugh, I go, I did okay. Oh, that got a big big laugh. That's good. Oh, that didn't get as big a laugh as I hoped. I need to work on that. it's like
0: the room is one person to you. Yeah.
1: The room is like my best friend, and they're helping me, but I don't think in the same way. But with comments, you can't help but – Right. See the bald patch in your yard, the blue shirt guy folding his arms, going, "I don't like it." Like he is there, yeah. and you see his Facebook profile.
0: Well, and he has a bigger voice, right, in the comment section that he does in a live room.
1: And he's the last word, and a lot of times it's like he was the last one to comment. You just saw, and I don't get notifications or anything for it, but I like look at. I looked at a few dozen of these comments just to see. And there was so much less hate than I expected. Like I expected, especially you were
0: disappointed that it wasn't more hate. No, but
1: when they when they titled it the way they did, I thought, well, this is very like the because like I do a bit about how Tennessee looks down on Alabama, then Alabama's like, yeah, but Mississippi they can barely read, then Mississippi's like, yeah, but Paraguay. So it's kind of like I thought it's just a joke and it's dumb and everybody does it. But I thought, are people in Mississippi going to be like, this guy's a
0: jerk? Or people in Paraguay, so how are r- worried true. about? Yeah.
1: But anyway, all that said, it's um, it's interesting to me that people would be like, no, this is great. We love the guy, and I'm, I don't know how to take Like, I don't take it very well. Wow. Let's, un- let's unpack there is, there that. There are a few people. Uh, there are a few people. One, my favorite, a lot of people that don't like it when I picked up the guitar. Not a lot. Like five people are like, what? I liked it till he picked up the guitar. People just don't like guitar comics. Like they want lumped uh, us all in. So when I pick up a guitar, they immediately think that I'm like a hack and I don't. I'm It's a prop. It's a crutch. That's fine, and I'm okay with that. Look, you got to take the good with the bad, John.
0: Yeah. Yeah, again, I, I don't know. I, you know, going through the comments, you know, by the way, that Facebook and Instagram have allowed you to hide your likes now or hide likes on Whatever, other Whatever hiding them
1: for you for a long time, it would just say Instagram. Like you, you'd just go to, like, if I go to somebody's famous post, it would say thousands of others have liked this. It used to yeah. say the exact number. To make you just feel awful about yourself, you're like, 50,000 people have liked this photo of a yeah. lamp, and I can't get somebody to like my dumb joke, but anyway, now it just says, like, others have liked this, but you're saying you can turn it back on to where, like, people are You can turn it on say, and
0: off because they originally started researching this several years ago for the purpose of mental health.
1: You mean for yourself turning mm-hmm. it on? You can yeah. turn
0: off the number of likes that you see on your
1: own posts. But you can still go click on it and see the list and scroll, 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 and see, like, oh, this is a lot of people. You a, I think it's about what your limits you set for yourself are, though. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. about giving you an ability to, yeah. if you don't want to see that or let yourself be in the comparison mindset, you know, that,
1: that people get in. It's hard, have. though, because it's the it's usable data for somebody that does what I do.
0: Yeah, but if some, you know, some people, yeah, are going to hear that and go, I thought about that yesterday when I heard that on the news. Some people are going to hear that and go, well, what's the point? Yeah. like, And that reveals the point. It reveals, like, yeah, but if I can't get likes, why would I do that? Yeah. You're like, well, yeah, that's the problem though. Right. It's it's a Johnny, it's a double-edged sword. I get like an <clears throat>
1: average person who just says, "I want to be like my only goal in life is to be an influencer. I have no like discernible life goal and I don't even know what I'm doing." As far as like I'm not selling anything, I'm not I don't want to be a speaker, I don't want to be a comedian. I just want to be a person who gets Uh, like, suntan lotion to give me $2,000 to tweet about them. That's my only goal. Yeah. Like, that person, I can see them being upset and and me being like, oh, well, you're already, like, a vapid whatever, like, and I could just discard that person. But at the same time, like, I'm in that boat of I need, there's usable data. Like, if if I put out a joke and it gets a lot of retweets on Twitter, I know I kind of have something to try on stage maybe. Yeah. So it's hard for me to disconnect the mental health aspect of it from the actual, like, functional, pragmatic use of it. It's a little easier
0: for me, though. I'm struggling. Um, I got to – again, my book is called Not So Black and White. It's me and Reggie Dabbs, and it comes out in October with Zondervan. And it is a – you'll hear us talk about it over the coming months, I'm sure. But it is it is like four things. Like, it is modeling – not modeling –
1: they're real conversations. It's about me. your modeling career, guys. I think
0: you all know. You followed me. It's
1: about modeling, you the guys. The reason,
0: the reason. I'll say modeling conversations, but the truth is, we're not modeling conversations. We're just, we're just writing some real conversations that we've had.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so every chapter opens with dialogue. It's a, a black man and a white man talking about the awkward parts of racism and history that we, you know, we. It, it's, it's trying to say, hey, at least you have to have access points at some point right. into these re- conversations. And then it's a gospel. I mean, we're talking about, like, the gospel. One of the big questions we ask is, when was the last time you changed your mind about anything? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so, like, what is the mindset of the modern Christian or what is the mindset of the modern conservative? And how did those two things become the same thing? You know, and so we really begin dealing with that. uh, And it should be to have your mind renewed. At least there's a humility and a willingness to listen. And so then kind of use recovery principles Step four of recovery is an inventory. Yeah. Step one through three is super important because it you, you lose that pride or you lose that shame that says, yeah. I can't look at the things that got me here because, you know, you trust that what Christ has done is enough. And so you begin to, to be willing to look at hard things that you thought would crush you. But now you're like, no, it's okay. They've already crushed Jesus and he's alive. So I'm alive and I can look at this honestly without condemnation. So the whole premise is if you've kind of gone through that first third with us, now you're willing to listen maybe to some things you weren't willing to listen to before and so then I just you know man this is that history teacher side of me was so much fun Reggie and I take this deep dive into history all the way to slave trade man to um, you know the lost cause narrative after the civil war we really you know, kind of focus on Andrew Johnson and, and we focus on reconstruction and we go all the way through the black codes and what systemic means in all of those lights, like the legacy of history is a part of our systemic Uh, thinking and getting away from just an individualistic viewpoint of whether it's racism or any kind of ism, but understanding there are things happening that you're a part of that may not be some personal intent on your side. And then all the way up to the modern age, through the civil rights age, you know, through Kerner Commission, and then all the way... To Where we are today, and then that 's the kind of the fourth part of the book as we deal then with the political landscape a little bit and that Christian nationalistic merging uh, of the church and 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 how we got there with with faith and where are the dangers and the pitfalls and those kinds of things and so it 's like it 's a lot like it's yeah. a, it, there there 's a lot in there, so I say all that to say we had a meeting yesterday with the marketing team at honorvan and and you know they 're just amazing just amazing and, and I have this, you know, realization and of course Reggie has a pretty large social media following. It's not like he posts about this kind of stuff though a lot. And I don't have, I mean like I don't have much and there's more to book promotion than social media, but it is pretty important, you know. So I'm struggling like I you know I, I trust the Lord on those things. This book came and and it's it's like important. I feel like it's super important. I think we're also saying some unique things that hopefully will People who have been insulted even talk about topics like this. The whole idea is to remove that insult from all of our injuries. That was the original title, Removing Insult from Injury. And um, I, I feel like it's important, but I also go, I can't, I, I know, I don't have some huge platform to support this as important as it is. So finding that middle ground, like for me right now, I don't want to just start posting about racism all the time Yeah, out of the blue. And neither do what I, I want to go. Just post about. I mean, I just I want to be true to who I've been, and I yeah. may have to. Like, I'm going to actually seek some counsel on that from uh, people on you know, the outside to do this. Like, I, what I'd rather do is do interviews on podcasts and things where I know I can talk about this, regardless of how big the social talk media. About I talk about
1: this, guys. I could talk
0: about this.
1: It's a new, <laughs> it's a new companion podcast to this. <laughs>
0: But you don't – you just – it's that weird thing like you're saying. There's data there and there's an audience there that I'm trying to reach. And the flip side is is I also think that there's so many potholes to reaching that audience through that platform or those platforms on these particular topics because they lend themselves to these mushroom clouds – of just cancel culture,
1: this this right.
0: this like back you got to take towards. all
1: the bad stuff. If you go in for this one little grain of good, yeah. you're going to get all the bad with it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to be the woke, liberal, socialist, whatever thing that all of the things we're writing about in the book. Of right. like, well, hey, when the
1: book comes out, they're going to come for you anyway. You're just going to be privy to it if you're on Twitter.
0: That's the thing. I almost am like I'm, I'm, I guess you know, listener. It, I want to remind you what this podcast is, listener, because I was talking about th- thinking about this in our last episode. We talked about my dog and all those things like this podcast started like with just you and I. These are the kind of conversations that we had before we came here today. Yeah. Like this has just been two friends for, you know, many, many years now, well over 20 years talking. And at some point in time, people would sit with us and they enjoyed the conversations. They're like, man, y'all should record that. And that, was, that was before podcasting was much Sometimes of a thing. They
1: were recording it without our knowledge. We're like, this seems wrong. <laughs>
0: And so um, we just started recording things. We thought maybe that would be helpful for people to, to listen in. So sometimes we do work things out. Like I'm working it out, you know, while you're listening. So that's intentional.
1: Yeah, th- there really is. Just, we just kind of, sometimes we figure out what we're thinking as we say it. And that's okay sometimes. Uh, I don't know. You're talking about the nationalism. We've had that talk. If there's a through line through our podcast over the last three years, four, almost four years that we've done episodes, like that's consistent, it's even before like it became a thing we've been talking about Christian yeah. nationalism oh yeah I mean all the way back to Kaepernick we, we had strong opinions that necessarily did not necessarily align with the majority of evangelicals when it came to Kaepernick whether he had the right to do what he did whether right. he was right in doing it um, the I mean, all of that stuff we were talking about years and years ago and uh, my brother even told me that he was like man there's an episode like episode 21. You guys were talking about how like there's a, a reckoning coming with racial stuff in America. Wow. We don't address this. And he goes, it was like crazy. It was like prophecy. I was like, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't remember it. He goes, yeah. you got to go listen to it again. I was like, I don't know. But there's a, there's a saying that I've been seeing and I've been thinking about it a lot as we deconstruct things like our country and our reverence for our founding fathers even has been under all of that stuff. It's like – and then if you do address it, like you say, if we take an inventory, you're almost like accused of trying to be this rabble rouser. Yeah. When very – when all, often it's very painful to do. It's not like, oh, this will be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. To take everything I've ever believed in and just go, but why? Like, oh, it's so much fun to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you have so many linchpin ideals that then once you pull it away and you go, oh. I believed in this guy and he traded slaves and believed it was okay. Now I have to reconcile that in my mind. And whether or not uh, systemic racism is a thing that we need to address and how do you even go about addressing it if we believe it's systemic and baked in. Mm. So the saying that I've been thinking about a lot and when it comes to like even like evangelical Christianity and Christian nationalism is uh, it's a feature, not a bug. Have you ever heard that saying? I have not. So basically, in a computer, like you would have computer bugs. So they would say like, oh, the computer's fine. There's this little thing. We're beta testing it. We figured it out. Right. But sometimes you get – like if it's a Trojan program that's built to steal your credit card information, Uh you wouldn't – the computer company could be like, that's a bug. We're working on it. And then somebody else could come in and be like, that was a feature. That's what the program was built to do. Wow. And it's being treated like a bug because you're being duped. And so when I'm thinking about, when you're thinking about deconstruction, that that that, that phrase keeps coming to my head. It's what I'm talking about when we talk about uh, misogyny in the church, even. We, we talked about that, about complementarianism and where people stand on that. It's like when you see women being abused in the church and then it being swept under the rug, under the guise of, we have to handle this within the church and be very Matthew 18. You know what I'm saying? Yeah is that because it's a feature, not a bug. This is the natural outgiving of our interpretation of Scripture to mean women should be below and they should be, and now we're dealing with the the fallout of it. It's taken a couple thousand years, but it's happening because some of that stuff was baked into our interpretation, not necessarily baked into the Scripture, because I feel like we're two people who believe that interpretation of Scripture is is as important as thinking that it's errant, or all those things that we were raised to believe. But I'm saying, like, we know that, you know, if you have a very misogynistic viewpoint and then you go, I charge you with interpreting these scriptures, your lens is going to be right. that lens. Yeah. So I'm just that's the thing. As we break down Christian nationalism and all that in our in our country, we look at our founding fathers and we kind of have this side eye towards them now. And do I think that's right or wrong? I don't think it's right or wrong. I do think that it's like, I'm wondering, and this is where you get into CRT and people talking about, people always want to throw critical race, which, which basically that's what that is. It means the system is built to get the result it's getting. So the system has to be dismantled to blah, blah, blah. Whereas we, for a long time, would be like, no, we just have a few bad apples who right. have made this thing bad, but the people bugs. are good and we... Uh, have some racist people but they were all Martin Luther King came and now racism is gone or whatever we thought, right. we, thought we believed um, and now we're like yeah but then you look at like you know more people more, uh, there was a stat that I saw the other day and it was like more people more black people age 18 are in jail than are in college or something mm. like that it was like some crazy thing like that and it talked about how this many – it was all these industries. This was a, an English talk show, and they were reading things about America in a very bad light because this is how we're perceived in Europe. And they were talking about how many industries, this percentage of this, this percentage of this. It was like paint and appliances are built by prisoners. So it was like a backdoor to a new slave trade because you can imprison mass incarceration of, of black people, and then you can get them to do work for $0.25 cents an hour. And So it's this whole thing and I hadn't really thought about before, and I go – It's hard to go, but that's not baked in. That's just an accidental. So I'm going. Is it a feature or a bug? And and so again, your book's going to address some of this stuff, and it's going to hit people hard. It's going to hit them the wrong way. They're going to be like, because you're attacking this this city on a hill idea of America that we've always held to.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's the. You know, it's so funny. Well, not funny. It's so tragic. The things – something is baked into everything. Yeah. But there is nothing that doesn't have something baked in. That's the nature of Well, everything of we
1: do – I mean that's a quote uh, that I've thought about the other day is like a personal motivation quote. And it said, your uh, your life is comp- – uh, what what's the thing? Your pattern is completely, perfectly engineered to give you the results that you're getting. Yeah. So it's that whole thing of like if you hate the way your life is, make a move. Like do something right. different or you're going to get the same results. And it's like – so you're right. Everything has a baked-in – out, outcome
0: it does and one of the things that i i think it's hard to it's hard to take note of what you're not seeing yeah i think that that that's one thing and so for example you know um we're watching a show called jamestown on prime video okay Have yeah. you seen jamestown uh-uh. it's really good um it's we kind of avoided it for a while we thought it was going to be again no judgment to anyone but we thought it was going to be like Game of Thrones or something. A lot of those sort of period pieces seem to just be lots of over sexualized, violent things that just quite honestly just don't jive. I mean, like, I don't, I just, I don't, that doesn't help me yeah. in my life. Um, even if I love the story, that's what's so sad. There were some things I'll start like, oh, this is a fascinating premise and I just can't get past, right. you know, some of the th- stuff in it. It's just not healthy for me. And so, um, the It's not really that, though. Like, things happen. You know they're happening, but it's, it's not graphic. Like, they're not, you know, it's so... And it's a drama. But in, like, season two, at the very end of season one, they bring slaves in, like, 1611 to Jamestown. And one of the things that really struck me is one of the guys was a prince in Africa.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I forget exactly which... Um, I forget exactly which part of Africa he was from, but he was a big deal. I mean, he's brilliant and powerful, and he's got a lot of the good kind of pride. Like, there's this, he's hes being treated this way, but he's, he's an equal in every single way. He mm-hmm. just was captured. Yeah. You know, and they don't see him as that. And so it's so painful to realize that, we do not we know the stories of our white founders, and i i mean I, I and I think there's this both and here, which is someone like Alexander Hamilton, who absolutely abhorred slavery and he was raised in in the Caribbean and he was very what we would think of as progressive, but there are lots of people in their time, yeah who were against it, and even there were slaveholders who were. Against it, <laughs> it was so, that's such a weird dichotomy. But that ex, that existed. People, I mean, Thomas Jefferson wrote horrible things about slavery. Thought that the institution should go away, but he needed the institution and thought he would be a better version of it, basically. Right. And so,
1: like, you know, Benjamin Franklin, I'll be the benevolent, yeah, right, we'll be the benevolent slaveholders.
0: Yeah. And I wrote this in the book. Benjamin Franklin is this is this perfect uh, picture of the tension. He started off as an attorney. And he actually brokered slave trades, like in his younger days. And in his older days he had a complete shift of heart here, a total change in his way seeing it. And he was actually the president of some of the of one of the abolition societies like out of Philadelphia or somewhere. Yeah. And so like he now fought against the thing that he had helped to establish when he was a younger man, as an older man, and you go yeah you know, I think that's what we just tried to say instead of us making conclusions from that that's a great picture of what it is we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. what we're dealing with is a both and situation where we can say what he did in the early part of his life is absolutely what it's it's horrible um I'm not speaking i mean I'm not speaking even from a sin standpoint from the scriptural side like it's right ethically right wrong and certainly certainly spiritually wrong but then, how does that person? How does that? How does the country grow from that? Well, you had some people back then, who though they didn't they didn't break down the institution, they failed, and maybe they should have tried harder, but they did speak out against it, and some you know really went far. But you have someone like Benjamin Franklin fighting against it, um, in some form or fashion, and saying, I, I, you know, this is different for me now. So, do you give him any? Sort of redemption,
1: right? What's the way forward? Or do you go well? Yeah, but you still, you right. know, like you did the thing, and so we we talked about that before about how that's why cancel culture is so antithetical and so kind of ungodly because there's no way forward. If you did a bad thing, you're a bad person. You're done. Well, but let's be honest, though.
0: In, in a and in this is this is where this is where I correct myself back the other way. That should have been criminal, right? So we want to we want to elevate on again. I'm not mean to be stereotypical, but we want to elevate on a conservative side, a law and order mindset that you should be accountable Uh for what you do. And so I understand people saying Benjamin Franklin did what would be today trafficking and criminal. Yeah, it wasn't against the law then, but where do most laws originate? However, now I know we're getting really deep into it now. Most laws originate out of some sort of moral compass. Right. Whether or not we all agree where the compass is pointing, that, we, that society develops legal statutes in order to enforce some level of morality that is shared among that community. Among that community, this was something that they knew was wrong. Many, most, all of them wrote against it. There were some that became so convinced. Then that's when, where really, white supremacy became. More of a thing, it didn't start off, a lot of it did not start off as white supremacy. It started off as an economic opportunity. Yeah. And then eventually in order, you, you begin to believe now that you are not just morally but even physically or intellectually as a person that your your humaneness is superior to another human uh, and so that then
1: – Well, some of that's bit wired in to justify what you're doing. Exactly. Like yeah. it, it, it's we're a, subjugating them, but it's because they're three-fifths of a person. Right.
0: Or yeah. we're winning the savages to the faith. Yeah. That was a right. big part colonization, of colonization, imperialism, right. yeah. And so there, there's – eventually then you give a couple of generations of that. Someone really now what was once sort of a thought to justify where you were with right. some tension is now there's no it's tension a religion left. now, yeah. 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 It's, now it's, it's, it's wired.
1: A, it's baked into their whole idea.
0: And even into their actual religion. Right, know? yeah. And so, but I think about how many people and this so I is going, this is what history doesn't tell us, and this is the tragedy of it and why I get it. Like, there were plenty of black Benjamin Franklins and yeah. Alexander Hamiltons and people highly intelligent, highly capable, uh, and others, just uh, moms and sons and daughters and family members who were just people, honorable people, living their lives, serving one another well. And we, for the most part, don't – history does not remember them. And it doesn't even mention – it doesn't even acknowledge often – it acknowledges the tragedy of their slavery but often not the tragedy of their humanity and the humanity lost. We can say – think about this veneration we have for – or this honoring I should say we have for like our ancestors that weren't famous. As white people. Yeah. Well, you know, they fled persecution. They had the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fled famine. They fled these things, and they came out of courage. And so we don't, we're we kind of like this this uh, sort of um, universal they we're using there. And it's like, wow, these people out of courage came, in and they, they got into wagon trains and crossed the frontier and dealt with all of these things. And I agree with that. And we, we sort of have this place to honor the faceless, nameless, vast number of people who, by choice, they didn't they didn't necessarily have a choice. They thought they were fleeing something, but it wasn't like they were taken into, into captivity to do so. And so they get a credit for that. It's almost as if, though, we have have so ostracized the memory of the black people that also helped to found America mm-hmm. by force that – because of their situation, we're not even able to honor the lives that they led that were also equally as honorable. That I mean, often their children are being taken away from them and sold to someone else. Their marriages are not considered legal, and that's not true everywhere, <clears throat> but it was true in a lot of cases. And you go, I'm just, like, I think that show helped me see, like, man, there is a person mm-hmm. who was quite honestly from what I can tell, probably more capable than the governor of the colony of Jamestown. This guy, you know, and, and, but because of that, like, how do we remember him? We don't have an ability to remember him. He's he's barely even that someone had to write, you know, but they, but that existed. That's a real thing. And so you don't know what you don't know. And in thinking of that, that's the true tragedy of it all. That to say, Hey, I don't really know who all came or didn't know. And I'm glad that there's so much genealogical research being done, historical research being done, archaeology being done to restore. And I think sometimes white people today go, wow, you know, we're just trudging up, like you said, so much, you know, difficult history. <clears throat> and it's like I can look back at my poor ancestors and I can honor their struggle. and in, But I can at least name a lot of them mm-hmm. because there was a record. They were worth being recorded. To society, as opposed to just here is a here is a Negro slave by the name of this and a first name, and you go, man, this is a, this could be a doctor uh, what, who's robbed of that opportunity, and not yeah. that just advancing in society is is the measure of your worth or value. I'm trying to be careful there. Benjamin Franklin was no more valuable than another nameless person. Yeah, we don't know. But the know.
1: potential to add more value to society was taken away. That's right. the hard part too.
0: Right from the land of opportunity. Yeah. Right. This is the that that's if if you really get down to American ideology, which this is a part of American ideology that I love. I do love my country. It is built upon the idea uh, that people can take more control of their own. I hate to use the word destiny, but it gets it gets real ethereal and and it gets very manifest destiny when you say that. But they can try. Mm-hmm. Like there's at least an ability to try. Even though there, I think there are, I'm going to use a strong word, castes, even throughout American history, that there there are caste systems there. Right, sure. Native Americans being even lower in many ways than the Africans that we forced to come here. Uh, every single, every single, and this is, well, again, I'm not, I'm not dogging the country. I'm just telling the truth. I don't want a history that doesn't have the truth in it.
1: Yeah, it's that's the part of inventory, and I was talking about that with the— uh... It's part of our small group at lunch on Sunday. We're talking about because they said they had a conversation with their parents about Christian nationalism. And the first thing their their parents were like, well, I'm not racist. Like it immediately went to like a defense of don't call me racist. Right. And I said to the person, I was like, to me, it's not even about that. To me, it's like if you're it's like you're just ignoring um, like if you have a bad marriage And you fight all the time. You've got these scars. You've got these struggles. But you just keep putting on that brave face. You never go get help. You never have the hard conversations because other people can't know that we're dealing. Right. It's like that fear of that. It's like to me, the people who are deconstructing this now, nationalism, they're saying like it's wrong for us to not tell this part of it, too because we're doing a disservice to people to just be like, we've always been this city on a hill and we've got the best, like American exceptionalism has built a thing. It's why Europe looks at us kind of and rolls their eyes like, well, of course America's going to think they're the best at this. You know, right. I think we rank like 58th or something in overall happiness now or something It's crazy. Like it's yeah. it's not even, you know, even in, like, literacy rates and stuff, we're dropping like a rock. It's, like, things that you would think of, like, we're a first world. We have this. It's, like, even by those standards, which we made the ranking system. That's so funny about it. What's first world? What's third world? Like, we made <laughs> right. the system. Guess what? We're first, you know. <clears throat> right. Uh, well, wouldn't you know it? But it's that thing of, like, if you can't be honest, you can't fix it. It's, like, the person who uh, won't ever show you their wound, it's just going to get infected. It's going And that's what we see. We're seeing this gangrenous uprising and we're going, well, where did this come from? These young people do this every so often and it'll go away. They just got to get there. They always have to shout at the generation before them and act like they're have it. There is some of that. There is some of that, like lack of perspective always with young. But to me, I'm like, when I saw what was happening with George Floyd and the protest, I was like, it gave me hope that we could have an involved like electorate and an involved people cared. Yeah. And they were willing to like go, this is wrong. And it was swaying. It was swaying old guys like me. I mean, I'm in my 40s. I'm in my late 40s almost. It's like what this has power and the power is bringing things to light. It's not like just assuming that covering it up is the right thing. Like, you know, like the status quo,
0: which right?
1: is kind of the hallmark of conservatism is which was like, the good old days we got to take it back to when when my daddy was a boy, he blah, 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 and it starts the story, and you forget, like, yeah, we also had separate drinking fountains when your daddy was a boy. It yeah. wasn't always great for everybody. And so you got to look at the scars and the bad stuff, too.
0: Yeah, and this was so great hearing Reggie tell the stories of his dad.
1: Which is, by the way, what makes yeah. America great is yeah. that we can do that. No one is going to come shut this podcast down because we do this. Yeah. It is, it's one of the reasons I love living here, but we also got to be real about the other stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and and you know and the thing when I read the, the founders, and and they were brilliant. There's no doubt. And I again I mourn for all of the founders who could have been, from other, you know. Other places in life, if we would have allowed this to be the true melting pot that we claim it to be, um, <clears throat> but when I, when I read them, most of them, that we really hold up and honor, there was an exceptionalism, but it had a humility to it. Mm-hmm. You have to remember, and this is the one thing I think that we lose today, the Constitution, which, Johnny, we have to talk in a moment about the God bless the USA Bible, like that it would be a conversation. <laughs> but the Constitution has become to many people a sacred document, um, and I, I don't think that would be out of the question to say that. It is certainly a, a hallowed document, but for some, it's gone even further. Like it's
1: God breathed, right? Unassailable.
0: Yep, it's almost. It, it really does. It gets. It gets put into a place. Where I think it's, it's, all... it's
1: interesting that's unassailable when there's been tons of amendments.
0: Right. It's made to. It's, it's made, made to be amended. And, yeah. and, and that's. Yeah. I think that's something we talked about in the book. It literally,
1: if you say we should, we can't look at. We can't look at uh, waiting periods for guns. It's in the Constitution. You mean the one with all the amendments? That had muskets when they wrote this? Okay. Right. It's supposed to be breathable. Your your argument rings false when you do that stuff. Although it was an
0: anti-federalist argument to add the Bill of Rights, which was the first ten amendments. The the hardcore federalists believe the Constitution should not be amendable on the level that it is, and that was their compromise, and that's the point. It was not a perfect document, and it went through so many revisions for the first ten – and they didn't want to have it. For the first ten years we were under a different document called the Articles of Confederation and it was a mess. We were about to be invaded again because we couldn't raise an army or raise taxes, and they were so afraid of what England had done, they didn't want to, you know, repeat right, the mistakes of a monarchy. So they were afraid of a strong executive. And so uh but like, you know, Thomas Jefferson didn't want there to be a president, you know, like yeah. uh, well, excuse me, when he was helping to write the Virginia yeah. Constitution, he didn't want there to be a governor. Um, you know, so and Washington
1: mission, purposely didn't run for a third term and all that. They wanted right. to make him a lifetime president. And he said no. So
0: so scared of that. But Washington, even in his own quotes, I mean, they they say that you have the right to create and adapt government. I mean, I'm 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 paraphrasing. And so there is an adaptation to it. But this idea that the Constitution, though, you go you go two hundred plus years down the road and it's suddenly now so sacred that we can't, we can't fathom the fact that there was a humility in its writing. Mm-hmm. They considered it the best that had, that had been, been made up to that point, and I still agree with that. It is an unbelievable the balance of it, and it, but it wasn't like they just guessed it or they just prayed about it. Like they were political scientists studying like the last two hundred years of their own time. All of the thoughts, the Thomas Paines and all all the the Montesquieu's and all all of these like all of these like political ideologies that had come and a lot of them had been practiced and tried in various constitutional monarchies across Europe. And they saw where the the pitfalls were and they really came to a place where, in fact, I mean, Hamilton kind of wanted a constitutional monarchy, this this more more like a parliament parliamentarian Mm -hmm. thing where there was. Some some sort of monarchy that, like, they have still in England today.
1: I would only do it if I could get the cool wig, the flowing powdered wig. Oh, we would have them. <sighs> that would be great. People would not know I was bald. Like the outfit that has a 200 buttons on each side for no reason. Boy, that'd take a long time to put on.
0: Right? Like, what if you had to go to the bathroom and you could, you know what I'm saying? How yeah. long do you have to wait? Anyway.
1: You take your coat off to go to the bathroom, John? If it was that coat,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't let it fall in the toilet. Anyway, so, it, like... It, you just go, their humility was, we have to continue with this attitude in order for this to continue to work. Yeah. You can't just one day act like it's perfect. Um, and so that, and, and, and Lincoln had a lot of that. Like he knew this can fall apart. This can fall apart, everybody. Yeah. We have to, we have to approach this,
1: you know. Wait, I mean, almost did. Yeah. You know, I mean, and there's many it, times
0: the evidence of that We're,
1: Even the war of 1812, England trying to take us back over like it like this. It's crazy how we forget how recent that stuff is. Too. Yes. Yeah. Even when like the we, we talked about the George Floyd uh, demonstrations and and, uh, and by the way, not
0: in, I think something in the book, one of the editors help us find a, uh, a stat, something between 96 and 97 percent of all the of all the Black Lives Matter yeah. rallies or protests that occurred after George Floyd, like something like 97% of them were completely
1: peaceful. Right. Of course. And yet we, well, yeah, we focus I on the so true stats. That's what makes, if it bleeds, it leads. It's always been the way of, of news media. Right. So right. that's, we, we have to know that, but it's something we, we fall for it still, yeah. but it's amazing when something like that, that happens. And then you see people post stuff like, this is the most divided we've ever been. And I'm like, we have so, mm-hmm. we have no yeah. regard for history. We have no, we've already forgotten. Right. Like, I mean, when, uh, you know, Bush or Obama or now Trump, you'd see somebody always posts, this is the most obstructed president. This is the most hated president. I was like, they shot a guy in the head while he watched a play. <laughs> Have you? Do you know anything? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it is not.
0: It may be the most – well, no, I agree with you. I mean certainly when you come – to a place of war. I think it's
1: just we know everyone's ideas because of social media. We know exactly how divided we are to the number. Yeah. Uh, whereas before it's like, I bet a lot of people are against this. Hey, they're burning torches out on the White House lawn. But now it's like we literally poll every day. How many – what's the approval rating? What's the this? Yeah. How many Republicans think that uh, the election was rigged? How many – we see that data and then it then it reinforces our biases. Yeah. Because we're like, well, 70% of people agree with me. Hmm. And so I must be, I'm on the right track. So now we we bake that into our own bias. That wouldn't have been true, you know, uh, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago.
0: Well, everyone has to understand there's a difference between populism, democratic populism, and just straight democracy, representative government. Yeah. Populism is that social media has created a fully implemented populist society. Right. That is existing
1: within a democracy. But well, they even said that about Trump. He speak. They, you can't take away Twitter. That's his direct line to the people. Yeah. And he's our voice or whatever the whatever people you have had say. leaders like that before. Yeah. Who, are, who are Even Reagan was considered probably the, one of the first populist presidents like in a long time. Well, to be yeah. Elected. Theodore
0: Roosevelt. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, y- y- you had this populist movement of or Andrew Jackson. Another another great example. A guy again, they the the, the common man's president in their mm-hmm. mind, yeah. who comes and that's why there's the big party on the White House, you know, which that always destroys. makes me
1: laugh when somebody thinks that like a politician has their best interests at heart, like all the time. Right, he's
0: a general, the hero of the Battle of New Orleans, <laughs> yeah. right? And you think yeah.
1: now he was a, you know he knows like any president. If you think any president knows what the price of milk is you have lost your mind. Well, but
0: those guys would know more because there was less of a... Maybe then. I'm saying, like, nowadays
1: ride. when you're like... It's just so funny when somebody sees, like, some guy in a suit gets up and speaks to coal miners. Right. And the coal miners walk away going, he cares. He's, yeah, he gets me. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> and just he like, literally... You've
1: already, you've already lost. You've already been duped. Yeah.
0: You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It, it Populism is hard in the modern age because of that, but we've completely missed it. Now it's a... Now it's a it's not about where you came from and it's not about what you've done. It's, it's about, can you speak the language that gives me, or can you speak the language that speaks directly to what I'm most afraid of?
1: Oh yeah. That's big. It's not even about, it's not about hope. It's not about inspiring hope anymore as a leader. It's about pushing the right fear button and all parties do it. Yeah. You know, we said that before on the podcast that I felt like when Bernie was a front runner back in 2016, um, he was pushing, like, rich people are the enemy. They're your enemy. They're what's wrong. Corporations and rich people. And he's
0: super rich, by the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and then with Trump, it was, you know, we got to build a wall because there are invaders at the gate. Right. And I can protect you. Right. Uh, and he would paint this dystopia. And it 100% worked. But it's like we all of it plays on fear, whereas I feel like when Reagan came in, I mean, I've seen old clips, and there was some of that, but there was a lot of, like – it's morning in America again. Like, there was a lot of, like, we're the city on the hill, a well, new dawn is coming. But, yeah, he was playing off of Carter's bungling of he foreign did, policy. But he did
0: make communism, though, the thing that had to sure, be taken red down. Sure, the red scare, the like, red like, menace. He, had to finish, he had to finish the Cold War. Yeah. You
1: know, and, but, it, but I'm saying his marketing was not necessarily all we've got to. When he got in power, obviously, there was some of that, and he definitely was. And there was also a law and order
0: narrative to his yeah. his world as well. But you're right. There, I think just in general, I'm just going to say this. Just in general, even through the Reagan times and even through the early 2000s, there was something there was something more to those roles that included also being a statesman of some sort. Yeah, like I'm at least expecting you to yeah. be good at. There's
1: a decorum yes. that's expected.
0: Yes, a, a statesmanship. A
1: whereas that's where populism can really get crazy because right. the more vulgar. Uh, someone like Trump would be. It would fire up his base, right? Because they'd be like, "He's like me," right? It was uh,
0: it was not his station in life that they identified with. Yeah. It was his uh, vulgarity
1: in many yeah. ways, or right. his. Yeah. So like he don't even care. He he speaks truth to power. He doesn't care.
0: Lots of people yeah. in the early, especially like fifteen, when I was having conversations with family and friends about this. Lots of them that was the only positive point they had is is he tells it like it is, and I was like, "That's not always good," right. Like telling it like it is it has became like a new ethic, uh-huh. because and I understand the overcorrection because they feel that politicians had lied for so long or were not really yeah are you dancing around touch, the issue right. you let
1: you know you let North Korea just do whatever they want for a whole couple of presidencies, and then Trump comes in and does some saber rattling, makes fun of their leader and we're all terrified. What are you doing? They're going to bomb us, yeah. and then the guy backs down and you are like, see Trump. You know, it's kind of like that weird it thing. Was a, it was a, it was a strange, it was a strange experiment. But it it's is. Not, it's like I don't, I don't like it, and I don't. But I'm thinking to ignore it and ignore the history of it is at your own peril, because it, it, 100 tapped into something.
0: Right. That will be tapped into that again. That is baked
1: in. Again, it's talking about is it a feature or a bug? There is something that is baked into what America is now that he completely captured. Yeah. And I didn't it did not resonate with me, but I, it, it resonated with a ton of people around me for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think understanding and I think that's what we're trying to write about. Like one of the I've said this in the podcast before. It's another concept I didn't write about, but I'm writing about it in other ways. And that is, I think whether it's religiously or politically or um Socially to social issues, I think what awakens you and the, what is it takes to get you sort of fired up is really important, and it has to be examined. Mm-hmm. Um, if it – again, what really a- awakened me to some social justice issues that I understand some people just cringe when I say those very words, Right? it was me watching the George Floyd video. I'd been thinking and seeing. I'd seen Ahmad Arbery, and I, 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 when I saw this, I suddenly felt. I cried, and I felt in my faith that it was dishonoring to God at yeah. this point in time to not be on the right side of this. To at least say yeah. that this is not right, everybody. Right. And and I felt that Martin Luther King. I mean, since then I've you know that the the greatest threat to Civil rights was is not the racist; it's the white Christian moderate who thinks he's against racism, right. but never actually j- jumps into saying anything about it, and therefore reestablishes the status right. quo while thinking that he's affecting it. He's actually doing way more damage yeah. through you know what is he, that's what I said the silence of our friends. It's not it's not right, the actions right. of our enemies.
1: A negative peace because it's this absence of conflict. We need to have conflict so we can heal. It's like the married couple that never fights. Right. They're like, man, it was out of nowhere. Right. I don't know what happened. We never, yeah, but there was something seething in there that you never addressed. Yep. And so that's what what Martin Luther King's the, the expression of, of complete uh, exasperation at the white moderate was. It was just like, you guys are just letting this go and thereby siding with the oppressors.
0: Right. You're going, oh, man, I don't like it. Yeah, But I don't have to and, – and, and again, not to put hot-button issues, but by definition, that's privilege. Yeah, If you have the ability yeah, can to it. disengage and yeah. it not affect your life, right. there are others who don't have that privilege. They can't disengage this. Um, and when you begin to realize that, now it, it's a choice or not to join in with those who have no choice but to engage. And so for me, what awakened me was both an event and what I believe a lot of conversations – that were related to faith that brought me to a place of going this, this isn't about me being upset at the, at the politics, right? This is, you know, politics did not awaken me to this. Like the gospel awakened me to this. When I saw another human crying out for his mom and I saw an injustice. And then quite honestly, I saw a lot of Christians defending the injustice and seeing that I go, no, maybe the shepherd in me says, no, I mean, we, and if they don't know, it's not that they don't know any better because they don't, you know, something's wrong or because they're dumb. Because I don't, I don't want to sound elitist on that. I'm just going.
1: We've hey, lost our way. As a
0: pastor, yeah, I realize this is my, this is I'm at fault here for not shepherding in a way that would help people uh, through this. And because if if the believers are not speaking to it, then we have a problem. So that you know, again, but what what awakened what awakened you to Trumpism was a question you should ask if that's how you feel. When did that happen? To your point, what were you afraid of? What were you inflamed about? Because what awakens you really, really matters because it will take that to keep you awake
1: to that. And (laughs) they got to keep pushing that button. That's the whole point we made last week where we talked about how it's the media's job to keep you on their side as long as to keep you on their channel as long. So they have to keep inflaming us, and it's us versus them because that's what sells. Right. So you have to create fear of the other side. This is the greatest threat to X, and you just insert whatever it is, and you throw hyperbole because it works. And every time we're like, "They're the bad guys." Yeah, you know, and go get them. And uh, man, it sells. You know, you say it sells newspapers now. It now it now it sells elections. It sells you know leadership positions. Yeah,
0: you know, and I think there's there really is always a middle. And I think, or a center that I think is important. And I've had some great conversations with conservatives who have really well thought out ideas of what they're doing. And I, personally, again, not a Trump guy, but I have I have met some people who what awakened them wasn't just Trumpism; that there truly was policy things in the conservative movement that uh, that they felt were important to the advancement of the country. And They weren't on board for all of the crazy stuff that he was saying or whatever. Right. They endured it in order for a certain way to, to come about. So for me, like, there's this, there's this. Um, I guess, hey, I can I can live with that to some extent. Like, we all have to endure something. There's no perfect politician or perfect political party or perfect, like, hey, I'm not expecting politics to be that. But I think if I have something that feels whether it's the church or anything outside of Christ Himself and the Gospel that feels perfect to me. And I'm not having something that I'm going, okay, hey, I have tension here. Right. <laughs> like what, yeah. awa- you know, then if what awakened me felt perfect and it wasn't Jesus or the gospel, then I go, man, you got to examine this. Everything that can be shaken will be. That's a, that's a tough scripture, but it's so real to me that it's, it can't last if we don't look at the origins or the yeah. foundations of well,
1: it. Well, the bottom line politically too, is that like, if you're not, if you're not uh, aware of the flaws of your side, you're just cheering for a sports team at this point. It's like the people like I'm a Lakers fan, but when I watch a Lakers game, I'm not like we didn't commit fouls, <laughs> you know, cause like no, no NBA players ever committed a foul. Right. You know, they always complain every play, but I'm not like, Oh, you know, they, it's always the other team's fault, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what you are. I mean, Jerry Sunfield talked about that. He was just like, if you hate a player and then he comes to play for your team and he puts on that jersey, he's your favorite player now. We're rooting for laundry. And so that's what America has become. It's blue, we have blue and red laundry and we're just like my guy is a good guy and your guy's a bad guy and we can't see the bad in our good guy. Right. We just are it's like a Jedi versus Sith and we're just like I know where I've aligned and I'm going to make everything they say okay in my little weird uh you know uh, what is it called? Situational ethics. I'm going to figure that out, make it work. Yes, he did this, but he also supports this, so he's a good guy. Like you don't know the whole story. Whatever I have to say to make it work, and and it works on both sides. But it's we're rooting for Laundry.
0: But you also get this. That's hilarious by the way. You're rooting for Laundry. Uh, thank you, Seinfeld. But you get this. You get. He's the, pretty good. He'll be. He'll, I think he's going to make it. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. You also get this flip side though. This this counteractive reactionary way of thinking that says. And I've talked to some people that say, "Well,
1: they're all evil." Right, right, right. And like, so accountability is not even worth it because we're all so broken that, like, why even try?
0: Right. They really get there usually when you when you have pointed out a lot of flaws in their own candidate. Yeah, yeah. And they instead of acknowledging any good in the alternate candidate. Yeah. The only thing left to do is to throw it all out. They're all
1: corrupt. Right. Yeah.
0: And then that's, that can become intellectually or politically irresponsible a little bit. Instead of just going, how about we just acknowledge that they're both, both. Yeah. Like, they're human. And then be okay with if our candidate that we normally side with their jersey is doing something that doesn't work for the ideologies of our jersey that we thought up to now. Yeah. And be okay saying the other side, same thing. Like – and, and then are you, you was, just
1: holding holding somebody accountable? Because now it's like like if you hold somebody accountable, it's like you're you're falling in line with the other side just by doing that. That's the fear. Yeah. If I say this is, if I say you're right on this point. I'm going to come off looking like a liberal. Liberal. I mean, I can't I can't have that. That's the worst thing you could ever call me. Right. So if I say maybe we should look at police reform, I've seen the numbers, and you know what. Man, I had no idea. We should look at this. Oh, man, you've changed. Like, you're afraid, you're hearing in your head the voice of your old uncle saying, whatever you do, don't become a liberal, they're destroying the country, and you don't want to be that, and so you're afraid to give anything, even when confronted with the truth or like ir, ir you know irrevocable data. You're like, yeah, but that that voice in your head. It's again, it's what we fear motivates us way more than you know what the hope of a better country or a better world. Well, we fear
0: being canceled. Yeah. By the people that are our tribe or our community. And we fear,
1: yeah, we fear change because we're like because it I, will happen probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the hard part. <laughs> That's the thing. It's happening with or without us.
0: Yeah, you know that that's one of the reasons i steer away from posting important things yeah. if i post something important on social media it's going to be a long video yeah where i can give some context to what i'm saying because if i just post little things it, it's like you know death by a thousand paper cuts yeah uh, and it doesn't help So that's my big thing. If I can't help or edify or make a, you know, we need to say things. And I feel very guilty then, like I'm not on the front lines where I should be. But if the front lines is a place where a real battle is not actually happening, we're literally just taking, you know, basically standing in a field shooting at each other, then I don't necessarily want to
1: die on that field. That's how Hamilton died. He stood in the field. I'm saying
0: it's so tragic. Shot it again. Hamilton literally died in a duel. That's not. That's not the way that story should have ended. That's what social media feels like to me. Like we're just pointing at each other with. Doesn't I can't even hide behind a tree. Yeah. You know we're just gonna do this and and hopefully you know, so it, I just go. The fear of that at some point in time, you're right. And I want to hold all sides, and if I've had any sort of arguments with people in person, it's been that. Why do you not hold both sides accountable? And and for me, as as a a Christian, I go, I, I have I've never like I don't feel a need, to, quite honestly, to take down everything about liberalism because they're not even the people I align with. Mm-hmm. I would already expect a lot of things about liberalism to be counter to the things that I believe, so I don't. I mean, also, I'm not like taking a a pitchfork to go track them down either.
1: Well, it's like the same thing. And if you if you have something to, to do with your family, you're gonna pull them aside in private and be like, "You're way out of line, there, Uncle Carl." And they're like, "Well, why didn't you go to the yeah, neighbors why didn't down you the street? Go to the neighbors' kid and yeah, <laughs> yeah. scream at them. Do you see what they're
0: doing? You're yeah. like, I, I don't have any. I don't have yeah. any authority or anything into that uh, right that space. So. I don't know, Johnny. I feel like today we, we, fixed we it. did it finally. Man, it we only keep, took 160-something episodes to yeah. fixed the problem. Yeah, people right now, there's weeping. Um, yeah, but Maybe, sure. <laughs> maybe unrelated to our turned, podcast. They've
1: turned it off. They're like, oh, is there a sports <laughs> podcast I could find? Maybe a movie review thing? Speaking of uh, reviews, we got a new review. Oh, well, that's nice. We always love hearing reviews from, a couple, from your, yeah, a couple our of lovely reviews. listeners.
0: Let me see. Let me go. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me...
1: We assume they're lovely because they like us, right? We attach, we attach like great. After all that stuff we said,
0: we get rid of all the negative reviews. Yeah,
1: actually, you can't do that. So, no, you can't scrub those.
0: Uh, The title of this one, uh, this is from Smidge, four two seven three eight three. Wow, his real—that's
1: his Christian name. It's his name, yeah, Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, It says we love this podcast, five stars. My husband and I—sorry, she says we love this podcast, five stars. My husband and I bring, binge listen to this podcast on long road trips. The perspectives shared are refreshing, honest, and vulnerable. We appreciate the humor. Seriously, so, so funny. Paired with a gospel-centered message that's thoughtful and gracious but also honors truth, we appreciate you both. See, I like that.
1: Yeah. because The so both part? You feel like you don't get as much appreciation as I do? I was going say
0: they usually only appreciate me.
1: So oh, that, that's interesting. <laughs> You're like, finally throw some throw Thank some you guys for giving Johnny a bone here because uh,
0: <laughs> this guy... Boy, no uh, one likes him. Uh, also, we had uh, a listener email um, that was interesting because a few weeks ago we said, "Hey, you know, there's probably some positive things that have happened on the podcast." Oh, sorry, during the lots oh, of positive things on the podcast. Yeah, but during the pandemic. Yeah, what's the
1: silver lining?
0: Yeah, and so somebody they said, "Hey, it's been a few weeks ago, but you guys haven't read any emails on the positive part." So uh, this is someone named Logan, and he says, "Me and my family are missionaries to Peru." And every year we come home to the States for a few weeks to see their family and their friends. And last year we were supposed to be in the States for two weeks, but we came in March and guess what? Got stuck in the States for 10 months. But thankfully, here's the good part. So he's given us some good things. Our home church had a ranch that we stayed at, and they generously offered me a part-time job to make a few extra bucks. So as a 16-year-old, he says five bucks an hour was a lot of money that he needed. Another good thing that happened was that he had an internship then at the same church, which allowed him to start new relationships with the staff. He says, "Love the podcast. Love you guys. Keep the good work." So thank you, Logan. Uh, yeah, I love it when I love when teenagers are listening. That's always a lot of fun. I for love me. It when
1: teenagers work get a job.
0: Yeah, man, way to go,
1: oh, bro. When was your first job? Uh, I was 11. Oh, because right, you were weed <laughs> eating with business, your dad. Yeah. yeah, family business.
0: Actually, 11 was when I was probably started weed eating. I think I was blowing sidewalks at like Four, 9.
1: 14? Yeah. I worked like a weekend at the Knoxville Zoo. Wow. They do this thing called Boo at the Zoo. I think we do it in Nashville too now. Yeah. Where they people dress up. It's kind of a spooky zoo. Right. Experience.
0: Well, and it's a great opportunity because how often do
1: you have a word that rhymes with zoo? Boo at the zoo. Well, and then people come at night. It's interesting to see the animals at night. I don't know what, but then anyway, that was my first job. My buddy Brent got me a job because his mom was one of the like uh, volunteer coordinators. She was like, "Come out!" So then they ended up hiring me on that summer. The following summer, that was my first. So I was, I was really 15 when I started working full time there. But that's a pretty, that's pretty young to have a job too. First yeah. job, 15. Like I was making minimum wage, which was 3.80. Wow. Minimum. Wage, I remember it went up to 3.85 when I was there.
0: Ooh. Minimum wage
1: went up that year. Uh, which I don't remember what year it would have been. Eighty-five, seven, went up five cents, and uh, I don't know who was. Pre- I can't remember who was president then, but they were like, you know what, let's do this. Did you
0: say eighty-seven?
1: Uh, I guess it was eighty-seven. Yeah, eighty-seven. No, it'd have been eighty-eight, maybe. No, yeah, 88, 89. Because I, I, I think... graduated in ninety-two, so so uh, Bush Senior would have been eighty-eight. When so he 88. was like, you know what, let's do this. I've yeah. got the political will to get a nickel <laughs> to the poorest people, the working, the poorest working people. Get a nickel. And I'm sure there was still, well, John, there that's was back still going to nickel a lot of
0: money. There was money, still
1: though. pushback, though, probably like, ah, it's so bankrupt <laughs> the country. You know, anyway. Uh, so 385, I remember thinking, like, all right, we're doing it. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, hey, look, it made you into the man you are today. It did. That was a fun, it was an interesting job. Uh, my favorite part of that job, I may have told this on the podcast, but every day you'd come in, Slush Puppy Machine, which is a Sugar water liquid that you mix up in these jugs—it's like you put like a little syrup in the bottom, you add water, and you make the solution. It goes in the top, and it's still like like a pool of liquid. It's not—it's not frozen in the machine. It freezes as it comes out. Huh. Well, it's just sugar water. So guess what? We're in the middle of a zoo. Ants get in there oh. every night. So every night I'd have to come in, get a little cup, scoop out the ants. Well, every now and again, I'd forget. <laughs> Because, you know, you're doing your morning check off. Okay, I got it. pretty important. So you're just filling that first slush puppy, and you just see these little black specks go flying oh. into this drink, and you're like,
0: all right. And you hand it to him?
1: Well, Johnny. Sometimes, you, sometimes you didn't see him. Like, if it's a purple one, oh my gosh. you're just like, it's dark purple. It's a grape slush puppy. You're just like, well, mm. that's. Bu- I think I invented bubble tea. I invented <laughs> the first chewy drink. Oh, my goodness. Without meaning to. Wow. So protein. It's a protein I mean, shake. I
0: don't think that this should have been
1: in It's a class action lawsuit I've been a part of. <laughs> and uh, if you or your loved ones have been affected. It
0: feels as if that the health department should have been inspecting this and yeah. perhaps there shouldn't have been ants you cleaned out every morning. There should there have been a better storage. I
1: worked with people who would do pranks on stuff like that. Like if they had a customer that was rude and they're making slush puppy. Like if you push like, you know, you push like a couple of pumps of the fluid, mm. the, the, the syrup. And then you get the clear slush puppy, and it makes the grape, right? Right. But they would just go, they just start hitting that button. Well, if you do it with red or purple, it gets really black. It's too dark. It's too much of the concentrate. Right. But if you do it with green, this guy noticed, it doesn't change the color. So if you get somebody rude that ordered a lime slushy from him, he would hit that thing, some kid that was mean to him. Wow. He'd hit that thing 15 pumps, and then you hand it, and the kid takes one drink and goes, no, I'm not drinking this. And the mom looks at him like... I paid $3 for this. I don't care if it turns your coal in green.
0: You, you are sure finishing is.
1: this. And so now they have to turn up the horrible cough syrup wow. slush puppy he's made. So wow, they fired him, I think, later. <laughs> Turned not out. me who forgot the ants, but they fired that guy. This beer.
0: is why we don't hire fourteen year olds at zoos. This is why I'm not in <laughs> customer. This is why I'm not in customer service
1: anymore. Too, I wasn't really cut out for yeah, customer service. This is
0: not a. Yeah. Did you know? By the way, you said you said syrup because you said it correctly. Syrup. My wife says syrup. 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 And yeah. I was like, Oh, are you going to go travel to Syria next? Like, Oh, you know what I'm saying? Got him. I did. I mean, there's no way it's syrup. It can't be. It's syrup. I mean, how many other? I'm syrup.
1: Try- yeah. Some people hit it too hard. Syrup. Syrup.
0: I don't know if they do. Like E, like C. Syrup. Syrup. Yeah. Oh. That's too much. We have hit so many important things today. Haven't we, though? Man, it's been so good. So, hey, thank you guys for listening. You can go over. Maybe we'll read your review on the air or answer your question. Leave one. Got to do it, yeah. And uh, thank all of you for doing that. We appreciate that. We do know, obviously, some of our... uh, our people who are not on Apple are looking for ways to leave reviews, and we're going to hopefully add that to our website pretty Oh, soon right, where you, you have a little yeah. widget
1: there for you. Yeah, you can
0: come do it on the website, and we can read it from there. So. It'd be
1: great if we had a widget where they could just submit a question, and it goes directly to us, too. That's not oh, like we a whole that. form. They could do that. There's yeah, a widget out there for that. They could do
0: that. I'm glad we're talking
1: about it in front of them.
0: Yeah, That's, I mean, why yeah. not?
1: Would you guys like to see a widget? What if there's a widget just to vote on whether or not we add another widget?
0: Wow, that'd be great.
1: It's <laughs> like a it's a poll, a polling device. <laughs> That's fine.
0: But hey, guys, you should go check out this uh, dry bar that's oh, yeah, blowing please do. up the internet Search right now. Search for
1: it on YouTube, watch it there. But also, there's a Facebook clip on there. Yep. Dry Bar Comedy is the Facebook page. And I think they have 7 million followers on that page. Wow. So it's a lot of people uh, yeah. that they hold sway over. So it can help uh, the old uh, comedy career as it is burgeoning again. Yeah. Things starting to come back. It's morning in America again, mm. John. Mm. <laughs> Johnny is like the Ronald Reagan of comedians. I've taken Uh, off my mask, and now I have dumb jokes for all of you, is basically (laughs) what we're saying.
0: Also, if you enjoyed the podcast, you'd like to support us monthly, you can head over to our Patreon account, and you could uh, find a way there. There's various levels that you could support, and that really helps us to promote this to more people. But every level is important. Every level is important, guys. None of you. Just the ones at the higher levels are more important. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, we appreciate all of you guys and all that you do, and for joining us every week, it really means a lot. So we'll see you next time on Talk About That. Thank you